0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chappell, and I'm here today with Cameron Glover. Cameron is a certified sex educator, business coach, and consultant. As the original sex ed business coach and founder of Successful Sex Ed, she works with sexuality professionals to monetize their expertise to create successful digital businesses. And you guys know that I am so excited to talk about that. In addition, she also hosts the Sex Ed and Color podcast, where she centers the experiences of sexuality professionals of color. Cameron and I like are always syncing up, it seems, on Instagram, talking about money mindset and helping people to make good money, doing good work. And I'm just so fucking stoked that you are here today. Thank you. For joining me.
1: Oh my gosh thank you so much for having me and I know we talked about this off mic but I'm generally such a fan of So You Wanted to Be a Witch so I listen to the show like during my self-care time so this is like a real treat for me. Thank you
0: like a serious warm fuzzy like heart like. Same. I just... <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive in uh who are you and what do you do?
1: Yeah, so outside of that that long ass bio. Um <laughs> it's a really good bio. That's why I read it though. I like uh, it very clear like
0: <laughs> says yeah. who you are,
1: but who Straight else are point. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um outside of that, who am I? So first of all, um, let's just get this out the way. Pisces Sun, Virgo Moon, Leo Rising. So okay. I think that that pretty much like says it all about <laughs> my personality. Um, no, I I do so much and so a big part of the work that I do is really just like creating my own lane. Like I feel like my entire trajectory of like how I even got to this point has been, I'm going to shake the table. And that's just always been like, I guess my guiding point, my ethos, my like North Star, whatever you want to call it. So I just, I'm really excited that I get to do this work and help other people in the field to understand the value of the work that they do, right? And to be able Mm -hmm. to think about it in sustainable ways because I feel really strongly that sexuality professionals are so needed in this world. And the way that we think about our work, it's just like, it makes me so angry and so frustrated because I'm like, we can be doing so much more. And I don't believe that you have to sacrifice making money to make an impact. So I feel really honored and really grateful that I get to do this work every single day. All right. I want
0: to go all over that in just a moment, but I want to start by defining what is a sexuality professional or a sex educator? Who are you working with?
1: Yes. So I use the term sexuality professional to talk about anyone that is a professional in the sexuality space. So most people they think of a sex educator like your gym teacher or like a Planned Parenthood person, right? Um, which I can go into that because I had a terrible uh, sex experience in school. Ooh. So Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was terrible. Um, and I grew up in in New Jersey, so one of the more like quote unquote progressive and like liberal where, states. It was where still, are you from? The, I'm from New Jersey. Garbage. Are you really? Shut up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so born and raised in North Jersey, uh, which again I feel like that just jumps out. (laughs) Um, And I went to school in a small—I went to high school in a small town near like Central Jersey. Um, So yeah, it was it it was a lot. And my gym teacher was my quote unquote sex ed. Oh God! And I remember nightmare. (laughs) it, It was so bad. And I remember the very first day she like comes in and we're going over the curriculum, and she's like oh, we're going to talk about sex ed, which, like, that was mostly just, like, two days of anatomy, and then we, like, ran into abortion, and that was, like, the rest of the curriculum <laughs> for, quote-unquote, sex ed, yeah, and I remember her standing there, and she was, like, huh, okay, so actually, we don't need to, like, go that far in depth with this, because most of you are already having sex anyway, and I just remember being like, wow, what an assumption to make, <laughs> yeah. right? But then also like, how dangerous is that? Because my, my sex ed was, or my health class, because that's what it was actually called. It was my third semester in a fourth semester quarter, my senior year. So oh. <laughs> her statement, yeah. So her statement and her assumption while I, and I remember I was, I was having sex at that point, but I was like, why are you assuming we're having good sex? why are you assuming we know what we're doing? Like your job is to help us. (laughs) And I think that that always like resonated with me on a deep level. So anyway, you didn't ask the question yet of how I got into this work, but I just, I think about that so much and just how like people deserve good quality, pleasure filled sex ed. So yeah, most people think of sexuality professionals just as sex educators, but there's so much more in the field. You could be a coach, you can be a consultant, you could be a therapist, a clinician, like there's so many different paths. But I think sexuality professional is a really good umbrella term because it kind of unites all of us that are doing this work. And I do want to make a note as well, um, because this is something that's really, really important that when I say that I am also centralizing and including sex workers who are the original sex educators. And there's a lot of work that both us in the field as sexuality professionals and folks outside of that need to do to just give sex workers their dues, right? And to fight for their rights because they're fighting for ours and to just stand up and really educate ourselves on, you know, all the incredible work that they do day in and day out. So.
0: Yes. Awesome. Thank you. And I let, let's go back to gym class. (laughs) no so we have the scope and yeah I, I love the term sexuality professional thanks for explaining it because it does like show this huge swath and um i right I'm gonna put a pin in some of the things that are peeking up for me because I want to go okay so you have like a super <laughs> shitty sex ed situation it was
1: absolute <laughs> trash let's just call it what it is
0: <laughs> I mean I remember nothing useful from sex ed at all except like in middle school when they like gave all the uh AFAB full, uh, some pads and all the
1: boys mm-hmm. laughed at us. <laughs> oh God. And even like, even before school. So like in my like home, right. I grew up, uh, with my mom who was a single mom and my younger brother. And I remember I was probably around like eight when I asked her over dinner, like, where do your babies come from? And bless her heart. She gave me like the best answer she could, but it was very clinical. It was like, they come out of your vagina and, <laughs> And egg like it was super dry and super clinical. Um, But it was I mean, it was a sufficient answer. But I remember after that conversation, a few days later on my bed, there was this American Girl book. I don't know if you grew up in the 90s, you remember this book. It was like a your body and yourself kind of thing. And there were like three girls on the cover. It was really um, great actually, but it was just, like, sitting on the edge of my bed, and there was no further conversation.
0: (laughs) Cameron, my mom did the same thing. Oh, my God.
1: She my bed. (laughs) We never talked about it again. It it never got brought up. It was the strangest thing, though, like, that book was really, really good, because it does cover a lot of, like, just health and body stuff. It's really a great resource if you're somebody, or you know a younger person that's, like, going through puberty and kind of have questions, but... Yeah. It was just like the weirdest thing. Cause I'm like, really, this is, this is all I get. So of course I go snooping around the house and <laughs> not on the same day, but like, you know, on a different occasion, I think one day I was bored and like, I found my mom's like erotica stash. Like she had some uh, like Zane books, if anyone is familiar. And Zane is a black erotica author. One of her like a uh, collection of short stories that were very spicy. But it was so interesting because it was like, not hidden. It was like on her like personal bookshelf in her room. Right. Mm. And I just, so I have these like bits and pieces of growing up where the moments of like, that could have been filled with such sex positivity, they were kind of still like hidden and still like brushed off with shame. Um, and even thinking about like juxtaposing that with like me and my father definitely never talked about sex and like one day I found his porn stash too. Right. And just like remembering like pleasure being like in the house and it wasn't like hidden, but it was still something that we didn't talk about. And I don't think that I realized just how impactful all that was until I got older and kind of stumbled into this field, which I had like no plans on being like a sex educator at all. I thought I was going to be a literature professional professor um and that didn't happen so (laughs) but it's only now that I'm looking back on it and I'm like wow this is like so interesting so even these moments of us that have like quote-unquote like good or decent or wasn't like terrible it's still we can we deserve more and I think that's what drives me and a lot of other um sex educators specifically in the field
0: I was thinking about us like coming onto this call. One of the things that has been kind of pinging in my brain is like being in my early thirties, I'm in my mid thirties now. I can't keep track. I don't know. <laughs> being over 30 and like still feeling the ramifications of like that conversation being literally like a, literally a book on my bed. There's obviously like a New Jersey, like sex ed book fairy, like flying there, there around. Must like,
1: there like, must have been. There must have
0: been. Who told parents this was whatever. It's fine. That's too funny. You know, and, and that kind of like stemming, well, I wasn't raised specifically, like in a specific culture that did this being raised within a puritanical purity focused culture overall, how like I'm in my early thirties and still like us having this conversation makes me feel a little, like just a little queasy, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. and so that it's so interesting, like how. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that's not totally abnormal, but hearing you talk about like these like little pieces, like go, I go, go. It was in the house, but we didn't talk about it. And like, that we deserve more. I'm like, yes. Cause I'm like in my thirties and like, I'm fucked
1: up about this topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, um, like I had some cousins that I played with and they had like uh, a formal living room and it's almost like that. Right. Where like, mm-hmm. sex is the formal living room. Like you see that it's there. We all see it. We all see that it's there, but like, you don't don't sit on that furniture because it's not for sitting. It's just like for for company or something. But that's kind of like what a lot of us, I think, experience sex like in our household. Like we know that it's there and pleasure is like all around us, but we just are conditioned to not talk about it. And that in itself can bring up like a very specific kind of trauma and harm that's really difficult to unpack. So it's like, we have to talk about it. If there's there's a pink elephant in the room and it's suede and it's just like having a party. You need to, you need to talk about the elephant.
0: <laughs> so how did you end up stumbling into this work instead of becoming a literature professor?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, growing up, I was, my first love was writing. I wrote like short stories everywhere and just like read all the Harry Potter books before, uh, whoever the anonymous author decided to, you know, I, I, I don't know who wrote Harry Potter, but whoever (laughs) did, the story itself is great. I have no idea who wrote it and I won't acknowledge them, but you know, I was just like such a hungry reader and such a really like hungry for writing too and creating stories. So when I I grew up and went to college, I majored in literature and like had a concentration in creative writing. And I totally thought I was going to be a literature professor and kind of teach like African-American lit and bring in, like social justice into the classroom, be radical and be all those things, right? So I think after graduation, I hit this point where I didn't have any like immediate plans for the first time in my life and was kind of left to my own devices. I moved back home uh, and was trying to figure out what I wanted my next steps to be. So I started freelance writing and through that, that's where I kind of got into uh, writing about different cultural stories and then naturally started writing about sex. So I think it was like a random Google search one night where I was researching a story and I was looking up sex educators and I found all this information and I was like, whoa, people do this like professionally, like as a job, <laughs> I need to learn more. So from there I ended up like searching, like, how do you become a sex educator? And then I just made the decision that night that that's what I was going to do. Just completely flip the script. We weren't uh, going back to school. We weren't doing any of that. So yeah, from there I found a certification program and I went through that process and I learned so, so much. Um, both with like how I could bring in my skill set into the field, but also what didn't um what wasn't existing and what needed more support. And specifically for me, what really stood out was the fact that even through my certification program, I didn't get like a dedicated class on like business support or like how to run like how to operate as like a business owner there was there was none of that i had to figure it out on my own and like lean on my colleagues specifically leaning on my white colleagues to get access to those resources and those things so it was really interesting for me and i just kept gravitating towards money mindset stuff and just like all these different things and Um, I'm trying to keep track of the dates. (laughs) So in July 2019, I launched my first digital product, which was an ebook called Becoming a Sexuality Professional. And with that, I get I just kept getting asked, how do you become a sex educator? And I was like, I could answer all these questions individually, or I can just make one thing and direct people to it, and then that way I don't have to repeat myself anymore. So I decided to go the latter route. And that's kind of how I got started as like a full time, like, oh, I can like be a business owner, business owner. All right. And from there, I really just started to immerse myself in like, what kind of support can I give to other sexuality professionals? Because again, the reality is that I was struggling with trying to figure out those business resources, but like other people were too. So I started creating other digital products and then I eventually launched, um, my coaching and my consulting services. And so now I just like, I'm a full-time sex ed business coach. And I really like bring together both the sexuality aspect field that I know so intimately. Right. But I also bring in the business coaching side because I just feel like there also needs to be dedicated resources for sexuality professionals. Um, which I can also go into a bit as well. (laughs)
0: yeah no, I'd love to. I think, like just even hearing you say that because I had such a similar experience um working in like the wellness and spirituality space, mm-hmm. where everyone acts like you just need to like learn how to like hone your intuition and your customers will come a running. <laughs> it's like what what <laughs> I, I can't even tell you the stuff that people told me. and you know, I, I, I had to figure it out mostly for myself and like I had some experience I was able to draw on, but I ended up seeing the same thing where I was like, look at all these beautiful healers and these amazing, brilliant herbalists and all these like folks and all these like fucking witches who are broke
1: because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. no one's talking about business and no one's providing that resource. So like, yeah, like that's like the running theme in sex education. Even now, so many sex educators like have this paradigm of I can't make decent money with that. Right. Like even yeah. when I was telling, um, you know, telling some colleagues like, no, I'm going to have a six figure year, like it, because That's I've already bad. decided that it's going to happen. So I'm like, it's done. Like, it's not <laughs> we, we don't debate this like it's <laughs> happening. Right. <laughs> yes. And some of them can't comprehend that because they're like, but no, how how do you what? It's like almost unheard of. And it's really, really sad because I see so many folks in the field that think that the only way they can make money is by doing like, and this is not to rape shame at all, but like, you know, they think that the only way to make money is by doing split sales with folks or doing free collaborations or just like these avenues that like, just end up burning ourselves out. And I'm like, there has to be another way because I'm not doing it this way. So no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the tools and resources that you're finding is really necessary for folks? And, and you've mentioned money mindset a couple of times Mm -hmm. in particular, like, what are you, what did, I guess, what, uh, you know, what have you started to construct that is, is giving sex educators the tools that they need to actually have like, yeah, like fucking six figure years. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone Everyone should have six figure years. Side note. Like, Mm -hmm. that should be a given. Let's make it happen.
1: Yeah, seriously. Um, Oh, gosh, where do I start? So first (laughs) and foremost, I think, like, this, a lot of people might be listening to this and they're just wondering, like, what makes, like, sexuality professionals special, where, like, they need, like, their own shit, right? But I think that every industry needs their own specific business resources, because the fact of the matter is that there are unique barriers and challenges with each industry and each, like, individual niche, Right. Like, I would never sit here and assume that, like, the same way that I would make six figures as a lawyer is the same way I'm going to make six figures as a tarot card reader. Like, that's not, that can't compare, right? So on the flip side, a lot of people actually don't know that, like, sexuality professionals face a lot, even more barriers than any other field, just because of the nature of our work, because we live in such a sex-negative society, Um, a lot of digital tools, um, can't be accessed in the same way. So like ads, forget about it. Like I can't, like there is to, to this day, like I can't even like have ad spend as like a strategy that I can depend on because I, to, to this day, like I haven't had an ad run in my life, not because I didn't want to, or I haven't tried, but because literally like big corporations were just like, no, you cannot advertise your work here. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one additional barrier. And then even like the question of payment processors, too, comes up a lot just because of the way that um, sexuality professionals are categorized. And a lot of this comes down to like politics and legislation and the ways that people are misinformed about the work that sexuality professionals do and assume that it's all sex trafficking, which is completely false. Um, Sex trafficking is bad. We don't do that. And then also, too, this double standard of like horror right, of being so afraid of sex work um, that any connection to the adult entertainment industry now becomes taboo and it becomes a punishable offense. So even with things that other businesses can like easily access, such as like signing up for utilizing PayPal as a payment processor, right, or um, utilizing ads, it's like those aren't even options for so many of us so a lot of the strategies that a lot of like popular like business folks kind of like advocate for like most sex educators have just checked out because they can't access it so it's really 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 important that sexuality professionals have their own like business support because it's like we have unique needs that need to be addressed and this isn't to say that you know someone can't take like a course or like have a coach that isn't specialized in it but would you rather go to a specialist if you broke your leg would you rather go to a bone specialist or like a generalist doctor? You know what I mean?
0: Oh my gosh, completely. Like yeah. and, and I love that you're mentioning like something like the ads in particular, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you're on the vanguard of solution finding for something that's going to be affecting everyone as a side note, like ads are only getting more stringent if you haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it, this is, this is like, Having like sustainable solutions that are not dependent on third parties is absolutely critical. Yes. So, yes. what kind of solutions? Um, I mean, what are you seeing that's working, and how are you helping people to get to grow these like to grow these businesses without yeah like being able to just rely on like you know, fucking Facebook? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because which is things, censored. But- up the wazoo. Fuck Facebook.
1: Yeah. 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 So a lot, so first and foremost, like all, everything that I teach is based on organic reach and utilizing, um, organic reach as primary focus. And if I do teach other strategies, like I'm leaning more towards things like SEO, which tend to be more (laughs) friendly depending on what keywords you're using and how you utilize it. But a big crux of my work is really focused on, um, the sustainability part and, Mm. I kind of like to think about it like this. I can teach like I can teach someone um, or I can sell someone a fish, right? Or I can teach them how to fish. So I don't I'm not interested in helping my clients be able to earn a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or like you know, whatever amount of money they want to make one time. I want to teach them the back end to be able to do that on a consistent basis and be able to replicate that system in a way that works for them, because even further, right, there's, like, a need as well to, like, not make everyone feel like they need to follow a specific formula in order to be successful, like, I don't think that you need to only do coaching in order to hit, like, a six-figure business, right, or um, only sell digital products, it's just, like, you get to, like, remix it and create your own path, but, like, a big part of my work comes with educating the educators and even just like letting them know what's possible, right? And how to make these different systems work for them. So how do we take our expertise as sex educators and be able to replicate that into creating, you know, digital offers, right? And things that we can sell on autopilot on our website. How do we like just utilize the tools and the tech that's at our disposal so that we're not just operating off of single sessions, but we are like actually create packages now. And work with people in a way that allows us time to like take time off and not feel like we have to burn out or have like three, four, five side jobs in order to try to like make this work. And then even further than that, when we want to up level, right, when we're thinking about the longevity of being in this field, what does a sex ed business look like five years from now or 20 years from now? Right. There needs to be more sex ed business coaches to be able to like handle that kind of scaling and automation and all these other things that just like come with being a business owner.
0: Are we going to, are we going to see a camera on a certification program?
1: I mean, <laughs> it's in the works. Yes. Yes. It doesn't <laughs> <the> work. <laughs> I was like, I hear you. I hear where this is going. I'm planting the seeds, you know? And, and that's also, I think what's so inspiring to me about this field is that there's still so much that can be expanded upon. So it's looking at, and something that I like to encourage my clients to do is like, look at the gaps, right? It's not just about seeing what the competition is already doing, right? Which I don't even believe in competition. Cause I think when you're doing something so well, like you don't have competition. It's just like you have colleagues, you have collaborators, you have co-conspirators, but like you don't have competition. Um, But I always encourage them to look at the gaps as well. Like see what's missing, what's missing from the conversations that are being had. And if you're naturally seeing that, like, okay, no one's really talking about this topic or they're not talking about it in this particular way, that's a really great avenue for you to like get in on. And that's really going to be valuable, not just for you, but for other people in the field.
0: So if you're looking at the scope, like let's future trip a little bit, like mm. what does the sex ed industry look like in five years?
1: Ooh, five years. Well, first of all, how old am I going to be in five years? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think we're going to see a really big expansion on a lot of the things I'm talking about. I feel like I'm predicting the future over here. Like, I really, truly do. (laughs) I I believe it. (laughs) Yeah, like, we're and it's going to be really fun, like, listening back to this episode and seeing my (laughs) predictions come true. Yes. Um, But I feel like, yeah, there's going to be a major shift of folks realizing the value of their IP, of their intellectual property, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing a transition in the ways that there's just thinking about the work that they do and there's going to be less space taken up to like question like, Oh, is this work like valuable? Like, should I even do it? Because that's, it's going to be decided. It's going to be done. So now we can move forward on like, how can we bring the field more forward together? And I think that we're going to see also, and what we're starting to see is like really unique, uh, ways of utilizing and remixing technology because just like we talked about when sexuality professionals are included within like the world at large we see a powerful shift happening when we have folks that understand the value of sexual liberation and by that looking at of course not just like orgasms are great and like everyone should identify and like love who they love but also looking at the ways that social justice is a core component of that. And that so much of sexual liberation also means fighting for the most marginalized of us to be free, to experience sexual pleasure and autonomy, first and foremost. Like when we centralize that, like we're going to see a major shift in how everyone feels free and liberated. So all this work, it's not just about business. It's not just about it's not even just about making money, right? Like it's about a whole collective shift that we're all moving into. And the impact of that goes far beyond just my industry or your industry. It's, it impacts all of us and it's only going to like get better. Yes.
0: I mean, uh, small business changes the world and especially the work that you're talking about. Like I'm so excited. I was like, okay, like five years from now, let's get there. I don't want to skip any time, but (laughs) Um, One of the things you've mentioned a couple of times that I feel like I'd love to come back to because it sounds like it's foundational for that vision where we are, everyone is autonomous and experiencing pleasure the way they want. I'm like smiling up to my ears. (laughs) How are you helping people to understand the value of their work? Because the vision you just painted for Mm -hmm. me is like, this is literally world-changing stuff. But my guess is based on what you said, People are not charging like that and that they're having a hard time really standing in the power of what they do.
1: Yeah. So, um, and this goes so much into a lot of what I talk about through the lens of money mindset. And I guess what some people would consider like anti-capitalist business stuff, but I don't know if I want to use that term for myself. I just like, I think it has so many layers. So first and foremost, the fact that I'm a black queer femme, right? Doing this work that's already powerful in and of itself because it's breaking away from this idea that to make the money that I want to make, I have to be cis heteronormative, um, white, a man, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like it's breaking all these like rules about, or these old rules that are based on systematic oppression and racism. So that's already in and of itself, I think, really incredible to celebrate. And I'm already coming through that lens with a particular way of seeing like money as a resource too. And I feel like a lot of folks still get like that slimy feeling when they talk about making money. But the way that I see it, when I make that declaration that I'm making six figures and it's happening for me, it's just not material um, in my life yet. I think about all the good that I'm going to be able to do, right? Because when I hit that mark, like yes, it's going to mean that I have a certain level of like ease and access in my personal life, but that also means that in my business I'm going to be able to expand in the ways that I want to expand. I'm going to be able to hire people at their rates that they should be getting paid at, yes. right? And I'm going to be able to create this like chain. Uh, reaction right so for example if I hire someone to work like full-time with me right like that frees up so much time for them but that also plants that seed for them and the folks that are in their lives that wow this is possible so who knows who would be inspired by that right and it just creates this like chain reaction of like moving more towards what we just talked about with this future and it's that is what's really exciting for me Yeah, so I think that money is a resource. Money is a resource that we need to understand and take, like, remove the icky feelings from because when the right people have access to resources, change happens. And that's when shit gets done. So, yes, I think that more sex educators who genuinely care about the world and who have big plans for being able to change the world need to be charging what they need to be charging. And not feeling like, oh, I need to waste time thinking about is my work even valid? Yes, it's valid. Yes, you need to put a five-figure price tag on it. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Like there's like these are things yeah. we shouldn't even be questioning. And yet, like that's that's what so much of my clients are struggling with, of just moving past like these ideas that other people put onto their work. And that's why they're kind of feeling stuck at like, oh, I feel like I can only charge a hundred dollars. But what if nobody buys? Like all these kind of like silly fears that come up and end up running the show. I just like, I feel like we have way too much work to do to be worrying about that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: <laughs> the amount of energy, I mean, that I know I personally have, and then I see in my clients and it sounds like, you know, folks you work with put into worrying about money. Mm-hmm. If we put that into doing the work, <laughs> yeah. like, what would be possible?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. And another really popular question I get too is like around certifications and ask somebody who has certifications. I'm like the first person to tell you it's bullshit. You don't need this. Like you don't need it to do this work. And I think that certifications are valuable and like really great when you have a plan for it. So for me, specifically talking about just where I'm at and where I'm going in my business, right? One of the things I am working on and that will happen in the next five years is I'm going to have my own certification program. Um, And I think that that's (laughs) really important. (laughs) No, that's how I feel when I talk about it. Like, And I'm so excited about it. But it makes sense for me to be certified to understand the process on the back end, right? And to recognize what I need to carry over into my own program. But for somebody that's just getting in the field and you just want to help people, right? Like, yes, you need training, but you don't necessarily need to go and get an advanced degree in sexology to be able to do this work. And so many people like you would be so amazed. Like, Oh, what one person one time asked me, what is the best degree to be a sex educator? And I'm like, none. Like, you, don't be- <laughs> you don't need yeah. a degree to do this work. You need training. You need to understand, especially if you're working directly with people, you need absolutely to get training, but to do like a weekend star, right. Or to, get training with a coach or go through a specific process like that's going to be a lot less intense in resources not just financial right but like it's a lot easier to access than like saying you have to go back to school and get a degree or a certification in it but yeah so many people just like struggle with understanding that because we've been so conditioned to think that success correlates to following a particular path and it's like there's no plan there's no plan baby like you just you do what you do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, I, I so appreciate you sharing that too. Because I, I mean, then I see like that, what's it's almost like, like a moving of the goalpost too, because folks will go and get the certification. But if we believe we need that external, like conference of mm-hmm. worthiness, like it's never enough. There's always another degree. There's always mm-hmm. another certification. So finding that internal value of your own work and your own belief in what's possible and what you can do is is like so valuable for people. And it sounds like that's something that you're able to really help them with. Like, yes, you need some training, but if you get on the like certification roller coaster, I mean, I know some people who are just like the most overqualified people in the entire world who haven't started their businesses because they mm-hmm. still don't think it's enough.
1: Yep. And I'm sure that you experience this with yourself or with your clients, but that validity too of waiting for other people to validate the work that you do before you start it is also asked backwards. Like Oof. it's and it holds so many sex educators back too, because they think that, well, my mom or my cousin or my neighbor's dog down the street doesn't like what I do. So I don't know if I should be doing this. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, and there's, you know, I, I do kind of struggle with that balance of like my family not understanding what I do, not liking what I do, having your own personal feelings and projections onto it, right? That have nothing to do with me. But I know to like put that aside because at the end of the day, is my mom paying me? No. <laughs> no. So like and, you know, I love her. We can talk about many other things, but like I don't consult with her for business stuff. So like her opinion on like what I do for business just isn't valid in that space. And that's okay. So I think that a lot of folks just like put a lot of stock into like, they value someone else's opinion and they want, even if you love them, even if you don't want to dispose of that relationship, right? But I think that there comes a point where you have to really ask yourself, like, do you want to listen to this person who has no idea what you're doing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you want to listen to, I don't know, other folks in the field who are where you want to be? It just like, it comes down to that.
0: Yes. It's all right. Well, Cameron and I will cheer you on if your mom <laughs> won't. We're here for you.
1: Always. Always. <laughs> my
0: parents still don't understand what I do. It's fine. We're all... it's,
1: at this point, I just tell my family I make money on the internet and they're like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think especially now that everyone has figured out what Zoom is, they, they understand oh, it. Oh God.
1: Mom. <laughs> my mom uh, just learned how to FaceTime. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that yeah the family dynamics in in quarantine have been real interesting it's a lot
1: yeah but I'm sure that's like that's not even specific to just sex educators though I'm sure every industry has that of just like you know people don't understand or they make their own assumptions and that's fine like you just you get to decide whether or not you want to participate in that or where you want to put that validity in your work yeah yeah
0: and just thinking like the power of the statement if you're like, this is a six figure year for you, and mm-hmm. that that's where you're putting your energy and your attention instead of the fact that your mom doesn't understand what you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like whatever. And that's something that I think is unique for the field as well that, um, that piece of like projections as well. Cause I think that's, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, for all the reasons you said that why the sex education and sex professional work is so important is the very reason why like there's an extra layer of like projection and fear probably coming from family members and other folks who don't understand it's like because we are not sexually liberated Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what is next for you
1: six-figure year we're here for it
0: yeah 110 percent Yeah, it's
1: already happened in my mind (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh gosh, what is next for me? So, just like I'm really excited because once this milestone is solidified, I don't know. Well, we're probably very similar as we've been talking about, (laughs) but I feel like in my business, like once I do something once, it's just like, all right, let's go. It's go time now. It's not even like a question of like, can I do it again? It's like, of course I can do it again. The first time is the hardest part. So, I'm really excited for what comes after, which is understanding that I have a system now in place and I get to just refine that system. So I think a lot of the folks, when they get started, you know, like we're so excited to get into business and we just end up throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall. So there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of things that you end up launching that down the road, you're like, I don't actually want to do this, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it's like an uphill battle for some folks to like hit that six figure mark. But once you do, it's like, all right, Now, how can we refine it to make this easier? And that's what I'm really excited for. So I feel like I really like narrowed in on what I like about business. Um, And so now I'm in a space of asking myself, how can I just do more of this and make Mm -hmm. it an easier process? So I really like, I actually enjoy working with clients. So I have a very select few ways that people can work with me. um, And that's that. And I actually had an email the other week of somebody being like, how much do you charge for single sessions? I'm like, I don't do those. (laughs) You could work with me uh, in column A or column B. That's it. (laughs) You could choose this program or you can work with me one-on-one. Like that's, those are the only ways. And like, I'm really excited to do more of that and to um, really just like take the things that I'm doing already in my content creation and turn that into my digital products and not reinventing the wheel um, and making more work for myself. So I guess that's what's next for me. Just like an easier process of like doing it all over again.
0: <laughs> oh my God. You're speaking my love language. Love it. So yes. much.
1: <laughs> one of, um, I don't know. If, oh, you're in her program. Rachel Rogers. Love yes. her. I yes. love Rachel. Oh my God. I love Rachel so much. And I heard, I, I can't remember if it was on her podcast or one that she was guesting on, but she said, you know what I love doing my business working hard once. And I have never felt so in love with the business. <laughs> coach. <laughs> truly like, what a revolutionary idea work hard once. <laughs> so that's like actually my guiding post in my business of like, how can I make this an easier process for myself to get like the most amount of like benefit for me. So just like how I started with my first ebook, Of like, what is one question that I keep getting over and over and over again? And instead of answering them all individually, how can I answer everyone at once um, and and take myself out of the equation?
0: Ooh, I would love to go here like a little bit deeper. I literally recorded a video before we hopped on this call about like what scalable offers are. I'm heading into oh a- my, for my group program. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> this is a huge thing issue that I see with my clients is um, this kind of fear. So you're, you're why you are the sex head business coach. You're like, okay, everyone's asking me the same question. I need to find a way to answer them once, right? But so many folks, and I imagine maybe you see the same thing, they are afraid that if they don't touch each customer individually or touch each client individually or answer each question individually, that it's not going to be good enough.
1: Do you Mm. run into that? Yeah, but I'm also just like, eh. I... (laughs) And I think the reason why I'm like, eh, at that is because I also, this might be my personal superpower. I just have really good boundaries. Mm -hmm. So I am just very clear about what I'm going to put my energy into and what I'm not. um, But also how much energy I'm going to put into it. So something like answering all my DMs, I don't even put that out as something that should be an expectation because I'm like, that's not, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But will I try my best to like stay on top of stuff? And if I notice multiple comments about a certain question, will I make like an IGTV on it or a podcast episode or some kind of content that like people can access both for free and paid to answer that question? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, I have to think about like, what's a good use of my energy as well. Because if I... And sitting there feeling this pressure that I'm putting on myself that I need to respond back to every single person asking me something, I'm never gonna get anything done. It's also like with emails too of like people that like aspire for like inbox zero. I just, again, I don't put that expectation on myself because I'm like, that's not gonna happen. (laughs) Because I would much rather just like do stuff like this, right? Or invest in creating something to make my uh, coaching clients' lives easier, right? And that's also, I think that's another really good point. To bring up as well, the difference between like audience, like nurturing your audience members and like investing in like your paid clients too, is also a really good, um, exercise and like knowing where your boundaries are and how to just like make things easier for yourself, I guess. Cause there's like, let's say for example, like a coaching client asks a question about, um, a certain process and like wants more help with that. I could answer that question in an email, right? privately, or I could bring it up during a coaching call, or I can make a digital training about it and make it part of the entire program. You see what I'm saying? So it's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: how, again, it kind of goes back for me into how can I make this process easier on myself, um, with kind of doing that. And, you know, there's a time and a place for answering folks' questions individually, but there's also a time and a place for thinking about like, how can you really stretch that? Um, and make it work for you everywhere in your business or in multiple places.
0: I love that. Like as a filter question, how can I make this easier for myself? Mm -hmm. I think so many folks in business don't do that. You know, especially if you come from the like extremely toxic, by the way, work (laughs) environment, which is like the customer is always right. (laughs) Like,
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. um, And it's just, especially when you are, it's just you, listen, I don't have enough heads to wear all the hats that I need to be wearing in my business. so I really had to like, really think about like, what is just going to like fall off the wagon for the time being? And what am I going to put my energy and resources into right now? And just be mindful of that. And then that's where also the revenue question comes in when you invest in what's going to help me generate the revenue I need to be able to like get help so I don't have to wear all these hats. Like that's a really good investment, <laughs> and that's a really good use of energy too. Versus answering every single DM that doesn't do anything. <laughs>
0: I'm just, I'm just feeling the pain of that. Yeah,
1: I mean, um, yeah. Something that I was thinking about as well in terms of the boundaries, also establishing those professional boundaries for yourself. What expectations are you placing, you know, with your audience and with your clients versus in your, I don't know, like friends, family, people that you need to reach out to. Cause I know I'm at the point where I'm like, if you're my friend, text me, don't even DM me anymore. Cause it's starting to get hard to like, just wade through all that. Cause it's mostly like business stuff, right? I don't know. And just thinking about like, how, how else can like boundaries be extended to help you kind of focus on what you want to focus on, but also like, remember to be a person. Ooh. (laughs) let's end on that note. How do you Mm. remember
0: to be a person?
1: Oh gosh. Um, by listening to this (laughs) podcast. Okay. So I got to talk about this. (laughs) So I listen to quite a a lot of like witchy podcasts. Um, in like in my spare time, I do like readings for myself and like, I'm just into a whole bunch of stuff. So I like keeping that offline because I like having something that's just for me. You know, a lot of my work is just like in front of the computer working with clients over Zoom or over emails, stuff like that. So having like something that's just for me or has not really a whole lot to do with my business, I find really soothing. So baths are essential. And just like listening to podcasts in a bath with the candle burning, oh, love language. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> something sweet. else I really like doing is um, cooking with my partner is really, really nice, especially after a long day. And we just like catch up and making something like physical with our hands because they also, um, work from home and work on a computer. So it's really just like nice and wholesome having date nights also, and like making time where we're being specifically off our devices. Um, and something yes. that I'm working on is, <laughs> uh, this is something that I learned from Africa Brook, who is, um, another oh, I business Africa. coach. I love, it's great. I love Africa. And in one of her, like, classes, she talked about how she utilizes Instagram. She's like, I have office hours for Instagram, so I don't... I'm not on here on the weekends. I'm not on here after a certain time at night. I just, it's office hours. And I was like, what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> God, boundaries. Africa's so good at boundaries. Oh. So boundaries queen, but like really just thinking about like, okay, is there a time where I can like make sure that I'm off my devices? Right. Mm-hmm. And like making sure that I have that transition of like the work day versus, um, I'm just watching YouTube makeup tutorials to decompress. (laughs) Like those are just like really important. So I, even as I'm moving the needle in my business and working hard and like doing all these things and changing the world, right. It's also important that I just have time for me and to not be thinking about what's best for my business, but just like, what do I want to do right now? How do I recharge?
0: Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you for sharing how you are not only a business owner, but also a human. (laughs) I mean, for real, I was like, I want to go watch some YouTube makeup tutorials right now. That sounds so soothing. It sounds like all I want.
1: Or like, um, I also like watching like what I eat in the days too. Just like watching people make food. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs)
0: And I do, I love the, what you mentioned in terms of cooking dinner with your partner, that, that making something physical and tangible when we work online Mm -hmm. so much, that is also one of my little like human spaces, (laughs) like making real life
1: things. (laughs) It's so nice. It's so, so, so nice.
0: Well, Cameron, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you and learn more about your work?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. So uh, you can sign up for my email list. That's probably the best way to keep in touch with me. I send out a newsletter every week, uh, Mindset Mondays, which is very lovely. Um, But I also share insights, business tips, um, and support for how you can learn how to run a sex ed business successfully and sustainably as well. Uh, If you're on social media, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. And all that'll be in the show notes. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. We'll have all your links in the show notes. You can go and follow over there. And yeah, do you have any any last words of wisdom you want to share with us? (laughs) Do I?
1: (laughs) Honestly, I think don't, don't let perfectionism just like keep you from doing what you need to do. You know, you Mm -hmm. already have everything that you need. If you're thinking about starting something, even hesitating, just like, just get started get yes. started you can always adjust later um and yes. there are resources and coaches and fantastic people that are waiting to support you like me and Sarah so yeah yes
0: this is a whole other episode idea but i feel like we should do a blooper reel sometime Talk oh my about, god yes like <laughs> may of like just doing something you could you could like adjust it later as like just so y'all know there's a blooper reel behind this for sure literally
1: <laughs> just throw <laughs> throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what happens because sometimes you end up making dinner with it. I don't know. Just
0: Sometimes you yeah. do end up making dinner and sometimes it's trash and it's
1: yeah, <laughs> But eh, it's a lot easier to edit a uh, first draft than no draft.
0: So,
1: mm, for yeah. sure. I love and it. Boom. <laughs> boom. Mike, drop. Thank you so
0: much for joining me today. This has been such a pleasure. And um, I am just like grinning ear to ear finally getting to talk with you about business. So thank me you too. for your time.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Everyone at home, thank you for listening because you're the reason we're here. We appreciate you. Make sure you go, give Cameron a follow, get on the mailing list, learn more. And if you're anything like me, you're going to learn plenty, even if you are not in the sex education field because these business principles are brilliant. And like I mentioned, stuff like Facebook ads are only getting harder. So we all Mm -hmm. need this research. And we will, I'll see you next week. Cameron and I will see you on the internet. And I think that's it for today. Thank you again for being here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, bye for now.